says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. Instant reaction version, as it were, Parramatta Eels going down to the Sydney Roosters in round five of the NRL. I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to break down all the action from Thursday night is my good mate, 60s. Yeah, what a... We've had some tough losses this year, 60s, but this is the first time we haven't actually been uh, in the contest at the death, despite that big push we had at the end. And this was a real bizarre game, wasn't it? I'm not quite sure how to react at the moment. I feel like there's a part of me that's angry with the world. It feels like there's a part of me that's angry with some officiating. The, the Roosters were the better team. Uh, they were probably the smarter team tonight. But, man, the football gods did not look after no. Parramatta either. No, the football it, gods did not smile on the blonde gold this week. There was a... A number of, like, whether it was bad cause, missed cause, or sliding doors moments that completely tipped this game on its head. We'll get to those shortly. Uh, but right now, let's have a look at the numbers, mate. The numbers, basically. What do they mean? Pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. See, Mick Jones, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Yeah, so courtesy of our new stinger, let's get into the numbers, 60s. Sydney Roosters, 28, defeating the Parramatta Eels, 20, out at Allianz Could I just Stadium. jump in and say, yes, they did spell disaster. Yeah, yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yes, if um, those that listened or watched wrestling back in the day might have got an idea of who that was. Uh, but, yeah, that was a big popper pump right there um, with one of his all-time legendary promos where he uh, uh, cut some very interesting mathematical outcomes uh, in regards to a triple threat match. So, yeah. Uh, they did spell disaster for Parramatta today, though, 28-20. Uh, the Roosters scoring care of Drew Hutchinson, Daniel Tupu, Luke Keary, Jackson Barlow, and a second try to Luke Keary in the 71st minute. Walker, free from five off the tee, adding a penalty goal in the 63rd minute. For the Eels, Quinton Gufferson opened the scoring care of some fantastic work from Will Penasini. And then a late flurry between Bally Simonson and Mike Sivo in the 76th and 78th minutes. Moses, perfect off the tee, although that first conversion, the first First conversion, was it? Or was it the penalty conversion? It was a try conversion, wasn't it? Where he beat It was the try conversion. Yeah, yeah, the first try conversion where he banged it in off the uh, left upright, uh, but then nailed the other two from out wide. And then uh, added on that penalty goal we mentioned in the second, yeah, sorry, in the 10th minute during that first run of Sinbins. And speaking of two Sinbins for the Parramatta Eels, Will Penasini in the fifth, Bowie Simonson in the 23rd. I'm not actually too upset about either of those calls directly for those Sinbins 60s. But I do have a huge bone to pick with what that sliding doors moment was in the lead-up to the Bowie Simonson Symbian. We'll get to that later, though. Let's look at the numbers, because these do not play true to what we saw. It feels like these might be updated tomorrow and look somewhat different, because the uh, numbers say that the Roosters barely had the edge in possession, 51 to 49%. Uh, I know that the Eels did normalise possessions a little bit in the second half, but the Roosters had plenty of ball in that second stanza to go off their 60-plus possession, 60-plus percent possession in the first half, so I don't know how it managed to normalise that much. Uh, but they were ahead in time possession by about a uh, minute and 20 seconds. So not really, again, playing true to what we saw on the eyes. Uh, both teams actually completed pretty well. Roosters 85%, 34-40. Parramatta 80%, 28-35. I know it doesn't feel that it was that good for the Parramatta Eels, but they did play pretty well 
in terms of completing their sets. In terms of the attacking stats, Roosters ahead on runs and run meters, post-contact meters, line breaks, tackle breaks, but that was just a, a split there, 26-25 there. But line breaks, 7-3, uh, slightly ahead on average set distance, way ahead on average play of the ball speed, 3-2-3 to Parramatta's 3-9. No shocks there. Eels, one ahead on offloads, 11-10. Uh, the Roosters didn't do a great job defusing kicks, interestingly. Uh, 33% the Parramatta, 75%. Uh, both teams defended it at uh, high uh, high 80s, sorry, on the effective tackle rate. Uh, Roosters, 89-1-5. Parramatta, 88-8-6. Uh, Eels made a few more, ta- no, made less tackles? That that can't be right. Uh, that that really can't be right, can it? But they're saying the Eels, oh. Eels made less tackles. Uh, yeah, that it, you know, there's a whole lot of these don't feel right because you've got the Roosters with 51%, only 2% advantage in mm. possession, yet they've completed six more sets than uh, what Parramatta did. And well, you just think... Here, here's, a, that, here's a comical stat. They've got the Roosters down for zero head injury assessments, which we know is categorically false, given that yeah. James Tedesco was ruled out. So... Uh, Goodness knows what's going on in the numbers here in this game. I expect them to change pretty massively come the refresh tomorrow on that second pass they do. Quick looking at individual play stats, and it's going to be hard to really you know adjudicate anything based on these numbers given that they don't seem to be lining up for what we saw. Uh, but the entirety of the Eels' back line, except for Bowie Simpson, who had two stints on the sideline, one for concussion, one for Symbian, uh, over 100 metres. Uh, Dylan Brown, 134. Uh, quite, quite nine for Reg, 105 metres. So the Eels looking to rotate their front rollers uh, across to help cover both Reg and Junior there, it looks like. Uh, we saw Wira McGregor from 90 metres. He had a pretty solid game, honestly. Uh, Bryce Cartwright and Ryan Madison both in the 110s, 113 and 114 respectively. Uh, and then not much after that. So have to wait and see if these update. Let's look at the tackle numbers then because if we've got less tackles than the Roosters, yeah, no one, no one with the freakish tackle rates. Madison and Hopgood both uh, at, in the 40s. And not much really doing after that. So, again, these don't really track with what we've seen in the game. No, they don't. Um, and uh, I guess it's one of those games where it, it just didn't – it felt awkward all the way through, mate. It just didn't feel like a cohesion, a lot of cohesion from Parramatta in the first half and – maybe a, a little bit from the Roosters in the second half. I didn't think it was a a great quality match. Uh, maybe that's just me being coloured by the result of the game. But, uh, you know, I guess the Roosters played better than they had in the previous games. I, I just keep coming back to I think they had some smarter moments than what the Eels did. And I might just jump into a couple of those now. They made a couple of long-distance breaks in the first half where if you if you didn't notice as it was happening, Wiramu was running back on side after making the tackles. And the moment that he was not in the line and was running backwards, the Roosters took off from dummy half and sliced right through beside the ruck. Now, I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger there at Wiramu. I'm giving praise to the Roosters because that's a big bloke trying to get back on side and they immediately went for it. It made me think that that may have been a discussion point for them about looking for those 
opportunities next to the ruck if uh, the Parramatta players like Wurrimu Greg weren't able to get back on side quick enough. The other moment where they did something similar was when Mitch Moses was trying to get back into marker. And I'm trying to think, was it Brandon Smith? Yeah, so off? Moses made the tackle, but then sort of got in the way of Will Penasini as he was getting back on side. So it allowed Smith to go left and right, and then Makatol got caught between two players, uh, allowing yeah. Sam Walker to make the break. Yeah, so Makatoa was looking for the fast line speed to charge up, and unfortunately with the dummy half going there and the both the uh, markers being caught out, it was just a huge space there. And those three moments where Parramatta weren't quite in the right spot, the Roosters jumped out from, and it wasn't, uh, the others weren't uh, darts from dummy half. They were just quick runs, uh, quick passes off the dummy half, taking off um, and, and getting in behind where Wiramu would have been. So, uh, it, yeah, they were three really smart plays from the Roosters. And then we look at, I guess, the converse of that was that the Eels though brave in huge chunks of defence, just had moments where we just didn't quite ice it or didn't come up with the right decision. Yeah, let's let's look at, and I know you're going to talk about what led up to it a little bit later, but the Bailey Simonson fling pass to Gutherson. Why? You know? Why? It, it just it it made no sense at that point. Just there, we had Sivo with his kick back in field when he was the chance of going one on one with um, with the fullback in that in that position. Now it was wasn't Teddy, of course. It was uh, Suwali'i, but we saw we've seen what Sivo has done with Tedesco in the past, where he's just brutalised him running straight through him and yet he, he goes for the same sort of kick that we saw against the Storm wasn't it in the, the opening round where it was inexplicably the ball goes out to him and he decides he'll kick ahead and just kicks it dead and there's the seven tackle set just like little moments like that that ended up being so costly again I just think the overall the Roosters played smarter Iced the enough of the plays that they needed to to win. They didn't ice them all, as we know, because they they had a lot of opportunities in that first half where the Eels were forced to defend and defend, defend. And I I just think it's a shame that we ended up going to the break at sixteen to two instead of ten to two. I think that might have been a big psychological difference. Yeah, that last try they conceded was uh, certainly not a backbreaker because they came out of the uh, sheds at halftime with plenty of spirit. Scored the first try and had a chance to go off in one converted try, uh, but opted to take the tap and then unfortunately turned the ball over. So yeah. it wasn't a yeah. backbreaker can per I just, se. Can I just jump in? Can I just jump in there? Because again, in in that moment, is you, you saw the decision making that wasn't quite right now. People might argue with this, but the call came from the sideline to take the two when they had that penalty there. Uh, when it happened as well at home, I'm I'm calling out, take the two. 
take the two. Like I just thought pulling back to six points, I know a lot of teams wouldn't necessarily do it at that at that juncture, and as it turned out, we didn't. But then we follow it up with Maddo offloading under pressure and we were never going to benefit from an offload in that situation. Yeah, the mechanically or, or at least strategically, there were definitely pros and cons of both approaches and taking the tap wasn't the wrong decision, but the follow-up to how they applied themselves to taking the tap was certainly incorrect. And that, that's what probably cost the Eels because obviously they, the Roosters would go on to, I think there was the rumour Greg fake high shot following that. And then uh, a, a series of six or seven set restarts, it felt like, even though the numbers said there was only three in the game for the Roosters. But they had about six or seven sets and then end up crossing down the right edge. So, yeah, that was a big play, um, uh, passage there for the both teams. But, yeah, just I, I really don't know how to unpack this game, 60s, because we didn't do ourselves uh, the, the sort of the courtesy of, you know, being competitive on the back of those early Simbins. And while the Will, I think the Will Penasini Simbin was correct. Usually when there's that offside Simbin, uh, you're kind of like, well, they just caught a penalty and go, but Will got in the way of someone trying to run support. That's fine. Uh, but that Bailey Simonson Simbin, my goodness, that, that that whole sequence was just absolutely cooked because, yeah, he throws the bad, uh, there's a bad front board at Gufferson, but how did the touch judge miss that kick being played at or, and then by an offside rooster? into the Parramatta Eels who then picked it up. Like, that was no advantage Parramatta. Go back for a scrum, Eels, or turn over a rooster, sorry. Uh, just th- those things add on to when you're having a game where you get multiple players simbined and some... And there was, like, a whole sequence, of course, too. Like, the challenge on Jared Rear Hargraves, there was no stripping motion from Jermaine Hopgood. The bunker took, a, like, literally a glance at it and said, yeah, stripping motion, we're, we're done. So there's a, a whole stack of... It feels like a lot of the times... It feels like a lot of the times those calls have gone against us that it's been the bunker taking a real quick glance yeah. at it and coming up with a, a rapid decision. Now, we like having decisions that are delivered relatively quickly, but they were almost instantaneous, the, those looks. Now, I guess if I'm going to play devil's advocate and and excuse the touch judge in that instance and... Um, and I, I mean, mind you, the touch judge was wrong. So I'll, I'll jump. I'll say that as well. But why didn't we challenge there? We could have challenged there. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened there. It might have been a case of being told it was too late the challenge. But then again, when the Roosters had their first challenge, I believe the referee was caught Mike saying too late, and then let them challenge. So God knows what's going on there. So. Very, very frustrating. This is, like I said, just a game that was frustrating across the board from our own efforts, the officiating, to just some of the luck that the Roosters had too. Because like, I know you said they played smart, but they also played reckless at times with a lot of forced offloads that could have easily been put to ground or been intercepted. And they got away with it for, in large swathes in this contest. And that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, um, I guess what I was saying is that there was key moments. Yeah, where they, they, they obviously had a strategy and they played to it. Yeah, that, yeah. That, absolutely. But, but they also played reckless at times too and were very fortunate. But that's how it oh, goes that, that sequence of um, repeated sets where, as you said, it was it felt like it was something like six or seven sets that the Eels were forced to defend. Now, there was probably two to three calls of six again, which came relatively early 
from my recollection in the set, but then we that was where they were throwing some reckless passes and somehow we were getting hands on the ball or knocking on if we had a chance to pick it up. It was just, you just felt that we needed to have that little ounce of luck go our way where a, a stray pass wasn't somehow collecting our hands and instead was being knocked on by them or or, or having oh, a kind of bounce or a, a kind other, of direction. And the other, like, there was that knock-on against Bryce Cartwright where he never touched the ball. He was tackled off the ball and he, he touched his shins. Like, there was just, like, a whole slew of these calls, which the touch judges and the officials are just, I don't know what they're watching. But, yeah. Uh, well, it, it's it's it felt like from the start where things it had an awkward feel about it. The match just seemed to have an awkward feel about it. And it felt like the decisions that the officials were asked to make were, were like ugly, awful line ball things, line ball decisions. And whether they got them right or not, and there were probably ones that they got as much right as they got, as they got wrong, but it, it just felt like, it wasn't going to be our night. It and, was just so ugly it wasn't going to be our night. And as much as I gripe about the referees, and I feel like there was some justification tonight, certainly, but you, you turn the microscope internally, right? That you got to look at what you yeah. can control. And there, there are both on a micro and macro level in this game, just failures, you know. Uh, you know, you look at the in the outside backs, and I think you'd say Sivo and Wanga Blake had pretty ordinary games. Like if you're not sugarcoating anything... Will Penasini had moments of brilliance, got beaten by Daniel Tupo at the end. That was unfortunate. And uh, it takes a little bit of a luster off uh, another sensational game for young Will, but he was largely outstanding. I can't be too upset there. Obviously, the Simbin is a factor as well. But then, you know, the forwards, it's tough in these games, right? When you get, you're playing a man down for a quarter of the game uh, and you, you know, you're up against a big Sydney Roosters pack, but we just couldn't find a way to uh, capitalise good passages of play into dominant. So, uh, you know, I, I look... Um, you know, I don't know what happened to Reg. You know, that that's a very light game for him. But uh, Wiramu had good and bad. You mentioned the Roosters being able to pick him off in defence. That's not a surprise. That's something we spoke about with Big Wiramu. Is that North South? He's very strong, and we saw those big hits in this game. He absolutely leveled it, uh, leveled Wiri Hargraves multiple times. But yeah, got got picked off there. Same for Makatora as well. I don't know. Uh, Dury got got you know, a head knock, so he came off. It's just a yeah, just a real messy, messy game, and uh, I don't know. It just where like where where can you really point the blame? Is it just across the entire team? Do you look at the guys that got Sinbin sixties, Panasini and Simonson? Do you look at the guys that were left in their wake and uh, Blake and and Sebo uh, for not picking up the slack? You know, you got someone like Bryce Cartwright, who I really can't fault in this game because he was bounced around the, all around the field and had a good game. I don't know where. What what do the Eels take from this game? Because uh, they, they've got a long break until Easter Monday now, taking on a, a West Tigers team that, as bad as they are, we know are going to aim up massively. Uh, how do you, you know, purge not the demons but just purge the issues that come out of this game? Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those matches where we're doing this without the benefit of watching a a replay of different incidents or watching the whole match again and, and noting things down. This is an instant reaction. It's raw. 
where we're going off the eye test at the moment with a little bit of stats to back it up. But I think I'm I'm deeply concerned about Wonga Blake, and it's there's probably there's probably just one awful defensive error that I'm going to uh, mostly point the finger at there. And although he's he's not credited with any missed tackles, but the try that the Roosters ended up scoring after that sequence of uh, possession really came from an ineffective tackle mm-hmm. that he was making on the line where even if the pass wasn't thrown, uh, I, I can't remember who it was that um, that was getting through him. Was it Swali'i? I can't remember, but whoever it was 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 actually pulling out of Wonga Blake's tackle, and if they hadn't passed, they were they were going over the line anyway. So, uh, but he just looks so devoid of confidence. It's I don't know. I you'd have to almost think that the players around him must be uncertain about what's happening. Uh, I'm not putting the blame to the match down to him in any way, shape or form, but, but if I'm, we're talking about reshaping the yeah, team... It's been a trend for Paul Wanger at the start of the season, hasn't it? it just uh, hasn't been a whole lot of good happening for him down that left edge. And I know we're, we're a bit short on troops still, but with Sean Russell hopefully rounding fitness and Hayes Dunster getting back to his best, the Eels do have options. Yeah, so look, if... You could literally go across the first of all the Eels back line, and maybe with the with the exception of uh, Clint Gutherson, you can you can point to moments with all of them that all might have added up to being costly. We're talking about like Sivo, I thought just had a very ineffective game, but that that decision to kick ahead on that particular moment where he probably had at least a 50-50 chance that he was going to score. And um, so, I mean, I can look at that. I can look at I can look at how great Will played and then say that was a bad miss on Daniel Tupu. Mm-hmm. Now, the game was probably all over by that stage anyway, but you still don't like to see a miss like that happen. Then you've got Wonga, as we spoke about it, you're looking at Bailey Simonson who played brave but had costly moments, that that wild pass followed up by the sin binning. Then you had um, Dylan, he, he had uh, like one of those no-look passes that went at the feet of, um, I'm trying to think who it was, was it? That was Bryce, Bryce Cartwright. Cartwright who did not knock it on. He didn't touch with his hands at all, but it was a knock on. So yeah. that was the officials in, obviously a terrible pass from Dill, but the officials in full form right there. Yeah, yeah, and then you had the the instance where uh, Mitch Moses couldn't get quite into the marker position. Um, you know, you, I'm I'm picking up moments there across the across the back line that I thought were were quite costly. Then if we're if we're looking at the forwards, uh, Reg had a quiet game by his standards because he got he he bumped out sixty eight minutes, but. We were talk, you, you know, where he's he's normally cutting a sway, sway through the opposition. He's only got 105 running meters during his 68 minutes out in the field. And mm. That's very unreg-like. Um, then you 
you're looking at uh, Josh Hodgson with that uh, knock-on. Now, I it was costly. I'd probably blame um, Ryan Madison more for that. I don't know why uh, the team challenged as well. That was his, like just open shut. Yeah. It's funny. When the challenge was being made, I, I thought to myself, yeah, I think the Roosters might have got their hand to it first, and maybe that's what he thought. Mm. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, that, that ended up being costly. Um, Woody made some great charges carrying the ball. But as I said, there were those couple of moments where because he's a big body getting back and he's he's hit the ground in making the tackle and then he's he's jogging back into position into into uh, the his spot in the line. And that's when the Roosters made a couple of line breaks off, off those particular moments. Um, Cardi... A pretty good game, to be honest. And you know what? If if we don't have the firepower in the back line, I'm not opposed to have playing him at centre. I'm really not. I, I I had someone suggest it to me earlier in the year, and and I thought you know it's not a bad idea if we're down in troops and probably defensively, he's going to be a, a stronger. Op, um, proposition than someone else that's playing at centre. Um, and, yeah, Jermaine didn't quite hit the heights of what he did over those first few weeks. So you'd have to say that across the board, players were, maybe with the exception of Clint Gutherson, not producing their best game. And maybe that's the main take from it is that we had people mostly not quite at their best. Do you think that's a fair statement that there was a collection of players not quite at their best in this? Yeah, I don't really know how to categorise it otherwise because, I mean, I'll tell you what, though, it'd be nice to not play a top team coming off a body bye again. Uh, that's, you know, the two features of Parramatta's opening five rounds have been playing Thursday night football and playing good teams coming off buys. So that that's not a nice factor as well to prepare for. But yeah, in terms of managing our stuff, yeah. Yeah. It just it, it, I think I think it was one of those games where I think BA's gonna say in the press conference the effort was there. Yeah, okay. and yeah I, the effort clearly was there. Defensively there was a lot of hustle. We saw some tremendous cover tackles. I mean Quinton Gufton had an incredible try saver on Swalee, was it? And then uh Moses did the same on Daniel Tupu. So, you know, there were guys across the park absolutely busting their chops in a very, very difficult set of circumstances playing for a man down across two 10-minute stints. It's not going to be a lack of heart in this game, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, on the flip side, we just didn't really go out there and, and once we got back into the game, nailed down the spots to keep us in the hunt. And I know we finished strong on the back of it when the Roosters probably clocked off a little bit and uh, we know that this team's capable of scoring tries. So it was no surprise to see us, you know, bank a couple of points at the end. Uh, but, yeah, just a very, very bizarre game. Very bizarre. So, mate, it, it, can we actually find a way to award a 3-2-1? Yeah, I think, I think you can give a 3-2-1 in these circumstances. I think there were commendable efforts despite the loss, despite the, uh, you know, frustrations. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we go here because you know you oftentimes you'll lean on the numbers to support the eye test in this one, and the numbers aren't for great reading here. 
uh, as we wait for that update to happen overnight. But even when that update comes, I can't see the eels getting huge bumps. It'd be more a case of the roosters getting adjustments. So, yeah, in terms of my best on field, I think the highest high is go to Will Penasini, but he also had the Simbin and that miss from Daniel Tupu, so that probably knocks him down a bit. The halves, I thought, tried really hard, but Moses got caught out at marker. Uh, Dillbags, I think there was a real big blemish on his game. Um, he, he really tried hard down that left edge. Uh, and again, at fullback, it's really hard to go past Guffo, who produced some big try saves, was time chiming in nicely as that link man down the right edge. Um, I don't know. What, what's your read on the best on field? I think it's probably Gutho by uh, quite a margin, yeah, to be honest. I think the problem's going to come after the three points for him. I, I, that's probably where I'm going to struggle. And, it, you know, it, it feels... I feel like... I should be looking at one of the forwards for a two or a one because, uh, you know, it was just, there was just such a lot that was expected of them during the defence, uh, that periods of extended defence in, in both the first half and the second half. But I don't know, there's no one that's really jumping out at me. I mean, if, if we're talking about, Performances of that do jump out. I, I mean, Moses made a couple of really big plays defensively as well. Well, I, I think if you're looking for a forward, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give Quinn Gufferson the free as well because you know it was a a very sincere effort from the captain in this game. He, he really tried hard. Um, but if you're looking for a forward that put their hands up, I think Bryce Cartwright's probably the guy. You know, he was put into some pretty adverse circumstances, having the play out in the centres uh, during the, the Will Penicene, uh, Penicene, the Bailey Simonson concussion, uh, I believe it was. Uh, so, yeah, and he certainly didn't do himself any disservice. Yeah, look, I'm probably going to agree with you there. Um, so if I'm going to name a two and a one, I'll probably go Cardi for the two and Will Penicene for the one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the obviously we we talked about docking Will for the Simbin and then the mistake on Tupu, but you can't you know you, you can do that and not undersell how good he was with the ball in hand. That try set up for Gufferson was really wonderful. Um, there are very few players in the game I think they can do it in that sort of circumstance. And you know in general he, he's been so good. Uh, he worked really hard rucking the ball out. Probably our most effective player in terms of being on the ground in this game. 160 meters from um, 16 carries. Uh, you know he had. Two try assists, two linebacker assists, uh, a couple of tackle busts as well. So when you when you sort of weigh him out in the balance of things, I think one point's a nice place to put him in. What's your take on the bench tonight? Do you think there was um, that it just wasn't quite as effective as last week? Oh, I mean, yeah, I look clearly, at the, clearly not as effective, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I look at the contributions, and and I mean, we're talking about all of them getting enough game time when i say enough i mean no one got less than 27 minutes so we had dury with 36 minutes hands with 31 Murchie with 27 and makatoa with 35 um but i guess we didn't have the big moments uh, i look at um dury's down for 17 tackles no misses 
Hands down for 17 tackles, no misses. Murchie down for 10 tackles, no misses. Uh, Makahesi down for 20 tackles, three misses. So um, and nothing huge in the way of run meters. I guess Makahesi with 87 is in his 35 minutes is a, is a fairly solid sort of effort. But um, I guess it's one of those games where if you're not if you're not winning, the chances are that your bench hasn't been able to yeah. have that impact. So um, I guess solid there, but nothing that turned the tide. Like I think um, Hands probably turned the tide last week or was one of the contributors to turning yeah, the tide and last week. combined, yeah, last week to really uh, break that game open. And, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, so, they both they both looked okay this game. It wasn't like they they played themselves out of bench spots. It was just that they couldn't have the same impact. And when you throw in the loss of Junior alongside a quiet game from Reg, and then the um, all the other players that we've been critical of in this podcast prior, you know that that unfortunately makes for too much of a deficit against a good team like the Roosters. Well, hypothetical for you was the loss of Junior. Uh, a significant contributing factor to the loss tonight or uh, with the way that we performed, would it have made much difference in the way this game script went with those two symbians means that it is very difficult uh, to try and be analytical about the inclusion of junior, because obviously he's a huge inclusion. Like obviously he makes his team so much better and it just opens up so many different ways to play the game uh, on the edges through the middle uh, with the interchange as well. But given that we had those two Simbins and those two Simbins could have easily have happened as well with Junior in the team, uh, just because of the, you know, just the nature of the game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, if, if he was in the same spot having to defend like entirely for that first half, like, do we still have enough juice? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, look, I'm not sure either. It's, as I said, it, it, it was one of those games where it just felt like we weren't in any rhythm. I think if you probably... If we were to look at the the Earl's tip sheet, I reckon you could have put a red line through most of what was written down that we wanted to achieve. I don't think we would have achieved very much that was on the tip sheet. And if we reflect back on our preview podcast with what we wanted to do in terms of uh, minimising the the Roosters' opportunities, uh, I guess the only thing that... that, they did succeed in was that the roosters didn't have to rely on uh, those bombs into the corner for um, Tupu or, um, or Swali'i to uh, contest and uh, score tries. They made enough line breaks that they didn't need it. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall as they go through the video review on the weekend. So, um, mate, just thank goodness this run of Thursday night matches has ended because even when we were doing the preview, I said I I wasn't really looking forward to another Thursday night game or I was looking forward to the end of them because my recollection is we just don't perform well on Thursday nights or the results don't seem to go our way. I'm glad I've seen the back of them and let's hope that we start to see things turning around a little bit out. Next match is an Easter Monday clash 
during daylight hours and crazily we jumped from a Thursday from a Thursday to an, uh, a public holiday Monday the Easter Monday it's mm-hmm. you know it's one extreme to the other from yeah, being our kicking off the kicking it off, kicking off the the round to finishing finishing it off the next one so our draw makes very little sense it really does and then you, like we spoke about it but uh, when you look at the finish of the season we go from a first night in the penultimate round to a last week bye into finals football potentially like or hopefully so yeah there is just some crazy quirks about bye so that's right mate I, I got a I'm sure you've got a few things that upset you it's time for a stinger you can't be serious man you cannot be serious yeah so Let's get down to what grinds the gears this week, 60s. And, I mean, there's plenty to come out of this one. We spoke about it at length. Uh, but, geez, to put my finger onto a single thing, um, I'm going to give the officials the week off. Um, and, yeah, I, I might go – I hate the after a player, but I, I want to see some movement on that left edge. Uh, Wanga is just struggling right now. And maybe he just has a week or two, uh, a chance to tune up in New South Wales Cup. That might be what he needs. But, yeah, I think we need to go there. I'm probably going to point my finger at Sivo in this one. So because left I thought, both accounts. Uh, I just think that there were some moments where we should have got a little bit better from him and we didn't. And I think it was summed up with that kick that he put in. And I don't understand why the mindset of Micah Sivo in two key moments in the first five rounds has been I'm going to kick ahead because the result was exactly the same the second time as it was the first time. So I I want to point that you cannot be serious finger at Mike Acevo and say, put the kicking boots away. Okay, I like that. And yeah, it feels mean to get into Wanga, but... Just on both sides of the ball, we spoke, we spoke about the defense, but it was also a Dylan Brown raid where he had a nice sortie going down that left edge, and he was just looking for his man. And Wong was about a meter and a half out of position, and it was you know it was a not necessarily a try scoring situation, but a chance for Sivo and Wanga to really attack the Roosters' right edge, and it just completely evaporated on the back of that. So, yeah, wherever they get, I don't think I don't think we're doing him any favors in selecting him in first grade at the moment. No, I, I think that's fair, sixties. Um, I think his confidence is so far down. I don't, I don't want to put the boot into Wonga. I, I, my concern at the moment is if if we're going to if if we're going to get the best out of Wonga Blake this year, I think he needs to be able to find his confidence again. And I don't think he's going to find that confidence again in the top grade. I think he needs to discover his un. Well, he's he's really got unparalleled athleticism. There, there's very few players in the NRL who have that level of athleticism that Wonga Blake possesses. But for some reason, it's just not coming together for him at all this year, at all. And I know that there's been issues in the past where he's, he's maybe had... Um, some performances that people haven't been happy with, but he's also been a strike weapon at different stages. And he, he just needs time to get the confidence back. And we can't afford for that to be in the NRL. And I know there haven't been options there, but this 
this week coming, we're going to be at the point where, in all likelihood, Sean Russell's going to be close to making uh, his return, whether they look at him in first grade or not. I don't know. Hayes Dunster is another week back on his journey from uh, injury, whether that can cause a bit of a reshuffle. And as I said, I don't think it's entirely out of the question to consider Bryce Cartwright as, you know, until uh, if it's a, if it's a situation where we need blokes like um, Dunster or Russell or even Dejan Arcee to be fitter or, or just in able to get a bit of consistent football before they're elevated. I don't see a problem with a problem with Bryce Cartwright being as a stopgap measure. And Maybe that's extreme, but a reminder that we might be without the services of Bowie Simonson for a game or two, so that's, that's also going to yeah. complicate the backline uh, formula there. So a lot on Brad Arthur's plate, mate. He's got plenty of time to sort of sift through the uh, the aftermath of this game and get ready for Easter Monday, but a lot on the plate regardless. And and we don't need too many reminders about the result of Easter Monday last year. No, and that, that's why win or loss are coming out of tonight. The Eels could not be uh, coming into the clash against the Tigers lax by any measures because we know that this is a game that they will mark up, uh, mark on their calendar and aim up for. So, yeah, uh, regardless of how we go into this game, regardless of how they come into this game, whether they get their first win or not, uh, the Eels need to be prepared for the best of the West Tigers. And uh, that's probably the uh, tail of the tape coming into that one, 60s. Yes, mate. And uh, unfortunately, this brings us to the conclusion of another instant reaction where, for the fourth time this year, we're talking about a loss mm-hmm. for the Parramatta Reels. I don't know about you, but I don't really enjoy doing our instant reactions <laughs> after a loss, mate. Uh, no, they. Uh, it's, it really sets up the weekend to be beautiful for us, mate, when you have a you know, 30-minute to 45-minute uh, post-mortem about why your team threw away a game or couldn't get into a game. And unfortunately for the Eels, this is the first game that they weren't really in the contest. And obviously we, we mentioned there's plenty of explanations for that in terms of simbins and, and missed opportunities. But yeah, for the first game to not really be in the contest, it sucks. And, Mate, uh, and, and you know what? The more that you've said that, the more that that now, I think it speaks to why... I've had the reaction that I have to tonight's game where it just felt like it wasn't going right. It just felt mm-hmm. like, um, I don't know, it felt awkward. And maybe that has a lot to do with it, that we weren't ever really in the contest as such or, or not in the contest as much as we should have been. And so it just felt like that the whole game was one where, um, the Roosters were dictating what was going to happen, and we weren't. And I think that I think that speaks to the the way that the match played out. Yep. And on that note, I think it's probably a nice place to wrap it up. As always, thanks for stopping by, and giving us a listen, especially after a tough loss. It does mean a lot to us. Uh, but thankful um, that you came by here, which means you can join us in the next episode where things will be a little bit better. I dare say. Uh, catch you guys in the next episode. Go your wheels.